sharing a quote with you. I wonder if you know who the writer might be. There are times in my life when I would rather die than pray. You might be wondering, I wonder what atheist that was. Well, in fact, it was a New England Puritan, Thomas Shepard. It was a godly man. And yet, godly men have to fight against lethargy. We have to fight against the flesh, right? So for me, at least sometimes, I'm not going to say I would rather die than pray, but sometimes I would rather check my email than pray. Sometimes I would rather check in on current events than pray. Sometimes I, I would rather sleep than pray. So we as God's children, if you find yourself in, in that same state from time to time, we need encouragement. We need encouragement to pray. And as we look at our text, we find great encouragement, great motivation to pray. In the text that we've read, first of all, we see the commandment, the commandment to pray, the commandment to ask. Then we find the promise for those who ask. And then third, we want to notice what is the it we are praying for? What is the it that we are promised? So first of all, notice the commandment, verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. So here is God's command to his children. He's teaching us, commanding us to be persistent in our prayer. The commandment is a, a present active imperative. It means that we are to continually, persistently ask God, seek God, knock upon the door that God might open and, and bless us with that which he has promised. You see the intensity, asking, seeking, knocking. On arrival in Huntsville on Saturday, I walked up to Pastor Mike Stewart's door along with my two children and we, we knocked on the door and no one answered. I've become acclimated to the weather in Virginia so we were melting in the, in the, the heat and the high humidity of, of Mike's lawn and sidewalk. So we, we knocked again, no answer. Kids are peeking in the windows. I'm saying, get back, get back. <laughs> Knocking, I'm texting, and, and my brother arrives. But, but there was some persistence, increasing intensity. It's hot out here. Well, well, here, Christ is commanding us to be persistent. We're to continually ask, seek, and knock. God's commanded us. To pray in that manner. And yet we find that in spite of the commandments or the commandment to pray often, to pray persistent, sometimes we become lethargic. And yet Christ in his mercy is, is encouraging us. It's, it's a, an encouraging command. It, it's a command to obey that only the simpleton and the fool would disregard. After all, if a doctor prescribed 
meds to cure a disease. He says, I want you to take this pill twice a day. And certainly we would follow his instruction. If you were in the sea, trying to keep your head afloat, and, and the Coast Guard threw a life preserver and said, lay hold of the preserver, then certainly a drowning man is going to respond to that commandment, right? Or a man that's lost and stumbling through the desert. Someone finds him and takes a cold bottle of water and says, here, drink this. He's going to receive that water. He's going to obey that command heartily. Someone's out in the hot, humid summer of Huntsville and on the verge of a heat stroke. Someone says, come in, here's cool air. Let me put some wet tiles on your head. Thank you. We're going to, we're going to respond to that type of instruction, that type of commandment. And here, Christ is commanding us to pray. Pray fervently. Pray persistently with intensity. But not only does the command, or should the command, persuade us, encourage us to pray, here are, secondly, the promise. The promise for those who ask. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Do you hear God's promise? The promise of Christ? If you ask, it will be given. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, it will be opened unto you. And if that's not enough, verse 8. Because everyone that asketh is receiving. Everyone that is seeking is finding. Everyone that is knocking, it's being opened unto him. So here's this gracious commandment. And yet the Bible is filled with gracious commandments to the people of God. To approach God with, with expectation. For instance, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. The writer says, seeing we have a great high priest. Who is that high priest? It's Jesus. He's at the right hand of God. He's, he's redeemed us. He's been raised from the dead, ascended back to heaven. And in this session, he's sitting at the right hand of God. He's our great high priest. And the promise is that we will receive grace and mercy when we come to him. Listen, let us therefore come boldly. That means with free utterance. Let us come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And if you live long enough, you're going to find that you are constantly in need of grace, in need of mercy. And yet, God is saying, it's available to you. Come to my throne. You're invited. One writer said, how kindly God allures us to himself and how extreme our ingratitude must be when with such powerful incentives, our sluggishness prevents us. Oh, listen to the promise. Ask. It will be given. Seek. You will find. Knock. And it will be opened. It's this gracious promise when we respond to the obedience and obedience to God's command. Let us not be like King Joash. There's a story in the Old Testament where the prophet Elisha comes to Joash. 
He said to him, take bows and arrows. And he took unto him bows and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. And he said, open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the era of the Lord's deliverance and the era of deliverance from Syria, for thou shalt smite the Syrians and Aphek till thou have consumed them. And he said, take their arrows. And he took them and he said unto the king of Israel, smite upon the ground. And he smote thrice and stayed. He, he smote it three times and stopped. And the man of God was wroth with him and said, thou shouldest have smitten five or six times. Then hadst thou smitten Syria till thou had consumed it. Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria, but, but thrice. Joash stopped too quickly when there could have been great victory won. And how often do we respond to God in that way? It's not just we ask once. Well, I wrestled with God in prayer. I asked God for something last year and, and he didn't respond. Come on, young people, you can do better than that. We've heard you bad your parents before. <laughs> and here's God. He's saying, you can badger me. You can keep coming to me. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Oh, friends, let us smite the ground in victory, in prayer. Praying, 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 praying till God gives us that which he has promised. So the commandment, and then there are these gracious promises. And that brings us to really the title of the message, asking for good gifts. The answer is given in the title, but, but go back to verse 7. Ask and it shall be given you. Well, what is the it? What is the it that is promised if we will obey the commandment to ask for it? Now, we recognize that, that when it comes to pouring out our, our heart to God, God's throne is open. We ought to be transparent and real with God, casting all of your care upon God, for he careth. But here we find in the context of the Sermon on the Mount, the, the it, I think, can be defined with greater clarity. What is the it that we are praying for, that we are promised? What are the good gifts? That's the it. See, it's not a blank check. There are times we ask and do not receive what we are asking for in prayer. And there's several reasons why that might be the case. For one reason, we do not receive what we ask for when we ask with the wrong motives. James 4. Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Okay, there it is. Ask and you shall receive. However, ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss. You ask wrongly. Why? That you may consume it upon your, your lust. So your motives are wrong. And And... Thankfully, God doesn't give us what we ask for when it's not for our good. There's a blessing in unanswered prayers. 
I've taken many a young men to that great theologian, Garth Brooks. <laughs> You'll have to search it on YouTube if you're too young to know what I'm talking about. I thank God for unanswered prayers. Just think this morning of what this setting would be like if God had answered every prayer that we had ever asked in the way that we asked for it. I would guess we would not even be here today if every one of our prayers had been answered in the way that we asked for it. I wouldn't be here, probably. I know my kids wouldn't. Because I would be married to Pam Lindsay, my sixth grade sweetheart. She broke my heart. And I'm thankful. I love my wife. I do. I cherish her. I, I thank God for unanswered prayers. What, what would this setting be like? If, if Think about that. Maybe you were praying for, for a job, for, for employment. You, you, you put your resume in somewhere, and you didn't get the job. And, and you felt like, oh. And that was a, a blessing from God. We could go on and on, right? This church probably wouldn't even be here. I would dare say that there would be no church on the earth if we received every prayer that we ever asked. That's theoretical. Of course, Christ is going to build his church. Could you imagine the chaos of this world if everything we asked for, God granted it? in the way that we asked for it. It would be chaotic. Because God has infinite knowledge and wisdom. So it's a good thing that when we are asking wrongly, that God says no. I think... What Jesus is teaching us is that our prayers, first of all, should have a Godward orientation. And Elder Bradley will speak from the model prayer in a few moments. But, but go back to Matthew chapter 6. Jesus taught us to pray in this manner. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. When, when you are motivated for the glory of God and the expansion of his kingdom and the upbuilding of his church... Ask, seek, knock. Have that Godward orientation. I think even the, the bread that we ask for is in order for the Godward things we are seeking to come to pass. If I didn't have bread, how could I labor in the kingdom of God? Give me bread so that I can labor. See, there's this Godward orientation that, that we ought to have when we're asking and seeking and knocking. And then the things that are promised, as we go back to our text, are good things. Good things. They're the good things that Jesus would illustrate in verses 9 through 11. Listen to the two illustrations he gives. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Now, I'm a practical joker, but, but even that's probably going too far. Son asks for bread, ha, here's a stone. Now, that would be detrimental and harmful. 
Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? The good things are those things that God knows will bless us. And I think primarily he's speaking of, of spiritual blessings. Spiritual blessings. The good things. Sometimes we don't know the difference between bread or stone. I don't. I can be really stupid, short-sighted. I mentioned Pam Lindsay. I was talking about one of, to one of the guys yesterday. He's driving a pickup like I've always wanted. I'm 51, and I've never had a Toyota pickup with big tires, shiny rims. Don't I deserve that? Let's see if we can make up a contribution before I leave. <laughs> I remember my family, we would go on vacations to Panama City. Well, we would alternate between Panama City and the uh, mountains in North Georgia. And there was this huge Toyota um, dealership right before you across uh, the, the bridge going over into Panama City Beach. And I would just look out the window, and there was these red Toyota pickups, big tires, um, KC lamps, you know, mud, mud lights. And I just, I just like, oh, I really wanted one of those. I just thought this would improve my status at my high school. You know, Pam Lindsay might go out. I mean, <laughs> all kind of things that, that, that might come to fruition. And never did. I did get a 83 Datsun, but it, <laughs> it wasn't the Toyota pickup. But God, God knew that a 16-year-old country boy like, like I was couldn't handle the Toyota pickup. I couldn't. God, please give me this bread. But I was asking for stones. And God is wise enough to say no. You think you're asking for bread, but that's a stone. And sometimes we think, God, please, I don't want, I don't want a stone. And he said, no, this is bread. He's all wise. He is. He in his wonderful sovereignty. He gives us good things. See, we, we need God's word to direct us, right? His spirit to incline us because we're, we're so short-sighted. God, please give me this Fish, and God says, that's a serpent. It won't help you. So listen to verse 11. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? So he'll give us good things. Good things. If we compare this with Luke chapter 11, we find that the good things come as a result of the Holy Spirit being given to us. The parallel passage in Luke eleven thirteen: If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? The good things that we're to pray for is the, is the, the blessing, or they are the blessings that flow from the Holy Spirit. And if you ask, seek, and knock for those things, you're guaranteed to receive them. What's the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. The Holy Spirit. Oh, friends, how we need, listen to me, 
We need greater measures of the Spirit's life and power. You need that. In fact, the promise is everyone that asketh. If you are a, a child of, of the Father, it doesn't matter how old or young you are, everyone that asketh receives this, this great blessing of the Holy Spirit to empower us, to sanctify us, to help us mortify sin, to give us power and service, to give us boldness when it comes time to share the gospel. Oh, how we need the blessing of the Holy Spirit. I'd love to see a, a youth conference with that theme, the, the Holy Spirit. We've allowed, we've allowed heretical teaching about the Holy Spirit to rob us of our, of our rich heritage as Christians. Christ has ascended back to heaven. And the spoils that He has won, the victory that He has accomplished, He shares with us. And it's the, the blessings that flow from the Holy Spirit. Ask, seek, knock for the Holy Spirit. We walk around impotent and powerless to fight against sin because we're not begging for the Spirit of God. We have no power in our preaching, no power in our witnessing. We're powerless too often because we're not consistently with great intensity begging God for this great gift of the Holy Spirit to sanctify us as Christians. So when we look at the, the context of this prayer in light of the, the entire sermon, it helps us to really zero in on our great need, the great need of grace as revealed here in Jesus' sermon. Just think about the verses that precede ask, seek, knock. First of all, he says, judge not that you be not judged. So he's, he's condemning a, a censorious type judgment, a hypercritical spirit. And who of us this morning hasn't been guilty of a hypercritical spirit? But then you come down to verse 6, and he says, give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine. How am I to determine who dogs and swine are without violating Matthew 7, 1? How am I to judge between pigs and dogs and people in need of the gospel? How am I to judge and make a determination of that and at the same time not violate, judge not? This message will drive you to ask, seek, and knock. God, help me. Help me to know the difference. Have you ever struggled with that? When do I stop sharing the gospel with this person? When, when does it come to the point that I'm violating Matthew 7, 6? God, I need your Holy Spirit to give me discernment. What about verse 12? Therefore, all right, here's... Jesus' application to this ask, seek, not message. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. You know, I think it's probably it easier not to do to others as we would not have them not do to us, if that makes sense. All right, I don't want to be slapped by you, so I'm not going to slap you. So I can just kind of sit and be indifferent. It's, it's, it's more challenging 
to do to others as you want others to do to you. So not only am I not going to try and harm you, I'm actually going to bless you. And how many of us can get, you know, out of our comfort zone and the world is kind of rotating, you know, around me. I'm at the center of my universe. It's amazing, isn't it? There's how many people in the world? Eight billion or so? Eight billion people, and we all think individually that we're the center of the universe. Am I speaking out of turn? Is it just me? Okay. You guys are saying, why did Pastor Mike invite this guy? Man, he's, he's, what's wrong with him? He's selfish. He's arrogant. I know. I need the Spirit of God. That's my natural tendency. I'm a horrible person. I need the Spirit of God to help me do to you as I would want you to do to me. And just think about the text in light of where Brother Andrew started yesterday. Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit. See, when you come to the place that you recognize you're, you're empty, you have nothing, nothing, nothing but your own sin and selfishness. Anything that's good in us is because of God's sweet grace enabling us to serve. So, God, please, I'm asking you, I'm, I'm seeking, I'm knocking, I am poor, I'm a pauper, I'm a beggar, I have nothing. So please, God, give me the Spirit, give me these good things, give it to me. Come down to verse 12 of Matthew chapter 5. Rejoice and be exceeding glad when people lie about you and you're persecuted. Rejoice. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. I can't do that. I can't. So I have to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. That's the reason it's, it's persistence. It, it's, it's, it's continuous. You, you can't rely upon the grace that you had to overcome temptation and obey last year. It's every day. It's every day. See, that's what Christian maturity is, by the way. Christian maturity isn't that I finally come to the place where I don't need God as much as I used to. I kind of got this thing figured out. Now, certainly, we don't want our children living in our basement, no offense um, to some of you, um, you know, till you're a certain age. You, you, yeah. We, we want our children to grow from dependence to independence. I want, I want them to reach a time when they can be off their father's phone plan, okay? Get your own. We, we want that. But it, it's not true in the Christian life. We never grow less dependent upon God. We'll have a dear brother that's going to speak to us in a few minutes, and, and I believe he'll acknowledge after serving Christ, ministering to Christ, 70 years or so, still in need of grace, need of grace. Christian maturity is, is, is recognizing more and more your need of God's power, recognizing our weakness and depending upon Him. That's Christian maturity. Not I don't need you, God, as much as I used to. I've been walking with you now for 25 years. No, God, I've been walking with you 25 years, and I know today I need you more than I ever have. And if I live 25 more years, I'm going to look back and say, whoa, I need him so much more than I ever could have imagined. How about verse 13? You are the salt of the earth. He 
me, God? God, please, I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking. I, I can't be this salt. I'm more like good for nothing. Apart from your grace, I'm good for nothing. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you the group I would fit in with. I'm being honest with you, okay? You remember the, the story of Gideon? What was Gideon's 300 men went to battle? I'm not among them. I'm not even among those that were lapping water like a dog. When Gideon said, if you're afraid, go back home. I'm right there with them. I need grace. I need power. Me, I'm good for nothing. God, I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking. Help me to be salt. Or verse 16, let your light so shine before men. Oh, God, please. I need, I need courage to let my light shine before men. I, I kind of shrink back. It's a lot easier for me to, to kind of get over here in a corner. I'd rather remain aloof. God, please, I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking. Give it to me. Give it to me so I can be light. Verse 22. Warning against anger. Whosoever's angry. I don't have the cold anger problem. I'm the white hot kind of anger. I hate it. I explode sometimes. I have to ask, seek, and knock constantly. So do you. Verse 27. What about this lust? Lust in the heart. Think about what we heard last night. Think about it. If you give in to lust, the warning is you will not escape hell. If that doesn't drive you to ask, seek, and knock, I don't know what will. Because, God, I don't want to go to hell. But I have no power to fight against lust. God, please, I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking, I'm desperate. I mean, continue on, verse 37. Let your yea be yea and nay be nay. Well, mostly yea, but a little bit. Sometimes not so. A little white lie here and there, a little misrepresenting the truth, a little exaggeration. God, help me. I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking. What about verse 39, when somebody smites you on the cheek? Turn to him the other also. <laughs> no. Well, God. Please, I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking. What about your siblings? Do you ever have that difficulty in the, in the home? Oh, y'all are all, there's probably, yeah, y'all's home's not like my home. I bet y'all all get along and you're never trying to hurry up and eat what's on your plate because you know there's not a lot left for seconds. Yeah, y'all are sweet, sweet kids. <laughs> Ask, seek. Knock. Mistreated. Turn the other cheek. Verse 44. What about this one? Love your enemies. God, please, please give me your spirit. Help me to love 
my enemies. And then you come to chapter 6, and here's the punch in the gut. Don't let your service be to be seen of men. Oh, God, please, let me just get a little bit of glory in this. Just a little bit. Well, actually a lot, but no. God, please strip me. Strip me. I have to pray this often, friends. Strip me of a desire to be noticed by men. Strip me, God. It's a horrible sin. It's horrible. And I'm prone to it. It's embarrassing. God, please, I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking. Please, God, help me to be so overwhelmed with your glory that it doesn't matter how you get glory. If it doesn't come to me from me, God, let me just be just as happy if it's from Brother Lewis. You're just getting glory. If everybody lines up to say, Brother, what a great sermon, and nobody talks to me, oh, God, but you are glorified. This is wonderful. I have to say, please, God, please help me to love glory, your glory that much. Or verse 20 of chapter 6, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Oh, God, but there's so many things here on earth I love. I grovel in these things here on the earth. God, please help me to have your spirit that I would lay up for myself treasures in heaven. I mean, we could go on and on, right? How about verse 33 of chapter 6? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. Do we have any warriors here? Yeah. God, please. Please, God. I'm always filled with anxiety. I'm asking. I'm seeking. I'm knocking. I need the Spirit. I need these good things, God, so that I can rest in your sovereignty today without being worried about tomorrow. So ask, seek, knock. The, the, these are, are this is, is the, the blessing that God has promised to his children. Let me, let me ask in, 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 in my conclusion, can, can you pray to my father? Can you pray to my father? Can you pray to my father? You could pray to my father if he's your father. How can he be my father? Paul says, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. By trusting in Christ. By trusting in who Christ is and what Christ has done. Christ Jesus, the eternal Son of God, took upon himself the nature of a man. The God-man went to the cross and he laid down his life so that we might have life. We're not trusting in ourselves, not as Christians. We're trusting in Christ. Christ. And when you trust in Christ, you're converted. You're, you're, you're part of the family. He's your father. And now that he's your father, you ask and you seek and you knock and you ask and you keep on asking and you seek and you keep on seeking and you knock and you keep on knocking because every day you're in need of grace. And God, according to his precious promise, he just keeps, he just keeps blessing and blessing and blessing.
God, I'm, I'm back at your throne again today. I'm asking for help. I'm asking for strength. And God, in his inexhaustible, powerful, gracious love for us, just keeps granting it day after day after day. Oh, please today, I encourage you to, to commit yourself again to acknowledging your weakness before God in prayer and, and, and begging God. To, to give you his spirit. Because the it is the spirit from which flows all good things. And he's generous. He that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him, how shall God not with Christ also freely give us all things? If he died on the cross, he's going to give us his spirit. We really have no, no excuse. I have no excuse for being, for being as, as, as vile and as as fleshly as I am sometimes because the promise has been given to me as his child.